2: Welcome to Golf Betting on Demand. I'm your host, Rick Gaiman, and it's finally here. That's right, the return of PGA Tour action is upon us. The Charles Schwab Challenge in Fort Worth, Texas, is going to be the epicenter of the live sporting world this weekend. You know, for the last, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 weeks, I've been coming on here. We've talked a lot through strategy and uh, looking back at past events and some of the mistakes that betters generally make and now it's finally time to put all of that aside put it to good use and actually look at a real life tournament so let's get back into the swing of things uh, the Charles Schwab challenge it is technically an invitational event. So it is not the full, full field. It is a invitational field that has been extended a little bit because generally speaking, um, you know, the tour knew that with a condensed schedule, they were going to have to give the opportunity to as many players to actually play in events as possible. So it is a little bigger than your standard invitational field. And it's going to be held at Colonial Country Club in Fort Worth, Texas. This is a staple on the PGA tour schedule. This event has been held every year at colonial since 1946. Ben Hogan won the inaugural event. What was that? Um, 76 years ago, something like that. If my mental math is correct. So, uh, this is a staple. I think only twice since 1946 has this event not been played. I think there was course flooding. And then another year, uh, I think the colonial held a different event. So, but otherwise this is one of the longest running courses, tours, combinations that we have. Um, it's, it's, it's a par 70 and it's not going to be easy. In fact, last year, this was the seventh most difficult course on the pga tour and the third most difficult par 70 it's going to play just a hair over 7200 yards which is funny because uh you know back in 1946 it's this is only like 250 yards longer than this course played 76 years ago which is usually not something you see usually these courses are mu- extended much further out than that but that is a real testament to how well designed and how difficult this course can play even without the length and the way that it does that is um, it's not necessarily tree lined fairways but there are a lot of trees out there that will give you trouble if you hit your if you miss uh the fairway there is also a lot of dog legs in both directions so it's not necessarily a, a a bomb and giggle right you can't bomb and gouge your way around colonial necessarily. There's a lot of holes that you have to lay back off the tee and play towards position. And then there are, you know, the, the par three fourth hole is a hole, uh, in the middle of, um, what's it called? The, uh, the horseshoe where this is the three, the three hole most difficult stretch on the course. That par three in 76 years has never had an ace on it. It's 170 yards. Sometimes it plays closer to 200. Um, that is not a a the only indication of whether a course is going to be difficult or whether a hole is going to be difficult. But the fact that not a single professional golfer in the 76 year history of this event playing it how many thousands and tens of potentially tens of thousands of times no one's made an ace that that is a really good example of how difficult this course can play and also with the return of golf uh we are getting an absolutely star studded field this field much closely resembles that of a major championship as opposed to a Charles Schwab challenge. Uh, This is by far the strongest field we've ever seen at this event. And like I mentioned, you could put this up against any major championship field that you have out there. Six of the top seven players in the world are playing. Adam Scott, the only one who will not be joining us out of the top seven in the world. Every golfer from 12 through 20 is here. Uh, it's just incredibly, incredibly stacked. So, uh, we are going to go through a lot of names in this show who we like, who we don't like, you know, the betting odds they are out. I've got all of it in front of me to look back at, uh, past champions. So just to re re jog your memory, what event this is, uh, Kevin Na wins it last year in 2019 at 13 under par. Justin Rose wins it the previous year. I believe the event name that year was the Fort Worth Invitational, 20 under par. Kevin Kisner wins it in 2017 at 10 under. Jordan Spieth wins it in 2016 at 17 under par. And then Chris Kirk at 12 under par wins it in 2020. Now, in terms of strategy for the first week back, this is something I've talked about a, a few times during this PGA Tour layoff. I in general, uh, I don't bet outrights on a lot of the shortest odds for golfers to win. So when we look at Rory McIlroy and we see that he is seven and a half to one to win this golf tournament, any gol- any week, I'm generally more inclined to avoid that situation. Um, you know, those are the odds that we've seen Rory get at, at an RBC Canadian Open, where he is the only uh, star in the field, not with all of these other studs here as well. Um, so in general, I don't like the short odds because golf's really hard to win. You know, for Rory McIlroy to pay off, you know, he has to win this, what, 12 and a half percent of the time. It's hard to do that in golf, especially with how deep the game is, how good everyone is that it's difficult to pay that, especially this week where I, and, and maybe for the first few weeks, we're going to see, um, I think there is there is so much that we don't know. Don't let anybody tell you they know exactly how the Charles Schwab challenge is going to play out uh, in the midst of a, you know, coming back from a, a pandemic and knowing what these guys have been doing. They, they, they don't know. And I don't know how it's going to play out. Um, so what I think we're going to see is a lot of guys who have played varying levels of golf. Someone like Sung J. M. might've played every day over the past three months. Someone like Bryson DeChambeau, we know has been hitting balls in his garage and his driveway every day for the past, you know, three months. Uh, someone like Dustin Johnson, who admittedly before Taylor made driving relief told us, you know, he hasn't, uh, you know, he didn't pick up uh, you know, he, he picked up his golf clubs for Taylor made driving relief one week before the event. Rory McIlroy went seven weeks without touching his club. So my point being, there is a just absolute varying, uh, degree of golf that these guys have played. So we have no idea where the, the, the shape of their game is. Then you throw in the fact that, um, a lot of things are even for a Bryson, even for Sung Sungjae are difficult to practice, so to speak. So, you know, there's a big difference between hitting full swing drivers or full swing shots, uh, in your garage on a launch monitor then there is chipping and putting uh, in tour conditions out of the rough, like things that you can't really replicate in your garage, things that take a lot of feel, uh, you know, putting th- shots around the green, those non-full shots, that's a lot of feel. And I think what we're going to see is a lot of guys are going to struggle on and around the greens when we return. And with that, I think there is going to be a huge range of outcomes and a lot more volatility on tour the first few weeks as everyone tries to figure out where their game is at. So all of that being said, I'm probably going to focus a lot of my outright attention on 40 to one, 50 to one, 60 to one. Those guys, that range, they win. Honestly, they win um, disproportionately more than they should you know, going back to the Sony open half of the winners this year have come between 30 to one and 50 to one half of them have, Uh, so they, they win disproportionately more than they should. And also with the increased variance, I think you could get more hundred to one winners, 150 to one winners. I think you're going to see some weird things over the course of the first couple of weeks. And then what I'll probably be doing is generally Kind of fading or staying away from the top of the betting boards, and maybe even finding a few guys to pick on. Right, if it's whether it's tournament matchups, whether it's three balls, um, you know, like Rory McIlroy. As much as I love him, if you're going to give me plus odds on basically anybody else in the field to beat him in a head-to-head matchup, and we have no idea what the state of a lot of these guys' games are, I'll generally opt for someone like. You know, uh, whoever the underdog is, if it's Justin Thomas versus Rory McIlroy, I would probably opt for Justin Thomas in that situation. Okay, let's look at the betting board here, because I'm going to read you off the the top few names here. And it's it's, it's pretty unbelievable. Rory McIlroy, seven and a half to one. Uh, John Rahm, 12 to one. Justin Thomas is at 16. Then you get Webb Simpson coming in at 22 to one, the fourth shortest odds in this field. Webb finally getting a little bit of respect from Las Vegas. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau at 25. Then you get Patrick Reed, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, and Xander Schauffele, all very interesting uh, in their own right, all at twenty-eight to one. And then to round out, you know, the the next few guys, Ricky Fowler, Sungjae Im, both at thirty-three to one. Before we make the jump to the forty. So, what I see from this board, Rory is very short. I, I, I mentioned it. We we these are the odds of someone who is like literally the RBC Canadian would be the perfect example of this Rory. And then the next best player in the field might be like a Ricky Fowler, someone of that caliber. Right. And then you get a much weaker field after that. Um, Rory will be six to one, seven to one, eight to one in those situations. The fact that he's seven and a half to one coming back from a three month layoff where we have no idea where anyone's game is. And we, have one of the strongest fields we've seen in a non-major potentially ever, like this is a legitimate field, Um that is unfortunately just way too short. I, I could not, as much as I love Rory, I know he's got seven straight top fives coming into this. I, there is just no way I could pull the trigger in the current betting conditions on almost, on anyone. On a, If I can't do it on Rory, I can't do it on anyone. At seven and a half to one, especially because He's got he's got no event history here. He's never played at Colonial. You know, you might be able to talk yourself into this if he's if he's posted you know top top tens here the last three years or top fives the last three years. Um, it's also not necessarily a course where he gets to use his greatest strength as much. Um, you know, his his off the tee game, his driver is a weapon, something that he just beats the rest of the field over the head with while well, colonial is, is not a driver 14 times type of course. So even Rory's best asset might be left in the bag a little bit more this week. And when you put all of that together, there's, there's very little room for me to get to him at seven and a half to one, assuming he's going to win this twelve and a half percent of the time. Um, that is a, a, a very tough ask of anybody. And it's a very tough ask of Rory McIlroy. Um, we're going to dive into the rest of this field. I've got guys. I love, I got guys. I've hate, I I hate, and we have plenty more to talk through, but we're going to take a quick break and I'll get to those on the other side.
1: DailyRoto.com
2: welcome back to golf betting on demand Charles Schwab challenge week it is here we are breaking it all down Uh, already talked about Rory McIlroy and the concerns about getting him at seven and a half to one or anyone at seven and a half to one. So unfortunately, as much as I'd love to see Rory win this event, I will not be an investor at that price. So I will mark him off of my potential betting slip. And I'll look to John Rahm at 12 to one again, probably a little too short for my liking, but I think there is a bit more incentive to play uh, Rom, uh, on your betting slip, or especially in, in fantasy purposes, uh, than it is to, to, to opt with Roy McIlroy. So Rom, obviously the better odds, 12 and a half to one, he does not have to win this event as often as Rory does to pay himself off. But you could argue that from the end of, you know, the end of 2019 into 2020, Rom was just as hot, if not hotter than Rory was, uh, for that time. Now, A lot of John Rahm's success was on the European tour. It was overseas. You know, he won the uh, Spanish open with, which I know probably went through, you know, went right over the head of a lot of the uh, general public, but he played well over there. You know, we haven't seen him since WGC Mexico. He didn't play the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He didn't play at Honda. So we haven't seen him in a really long time, but he finished third at the WGC Mexico 17th at Genesis ninth at waste management and second at farmers. Those are all, uh, deep fields, tough courses. Uh, he's, he's finding success in all of them and not to mention the fact that yes, he missed the cut at colonial last year, but he's really the only guy, um, you know, the top of the betting board between Rory, Rom, JT, Bryson, DeChambeau, Ram's the only guy who's played colonial, which certainly goes a long way. Uh, second place finish in 2017, fifth in 2018. So, if you're asking me, uh, I love Rory in in every uh, possible way. But if I have to choose between him and Rom, the the opportunity lies with Rom. And I also think if you, in your in your fantasy formats, in your pools, and things like that, where. You know, you might have to choose between one of these guys. I imagine John Rom will be the forgotten one. You know, it's very easy to plug Rom into your fantasy teams, into your office pools, into whatever else you're doing, uh, while John Rom continues to fly under the radar just a little bit. Um, Justin Thomas, he he's kind of more interesting, right? You know, everyone seems to know JT's upside is is unlimited. You know, it's 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 number one player in the world upside. Again, someone who hasn't played here. Uh, hasn't played at Colonial. Doesn't have any experience to to go back on. Uh, sixth place finish at WGC Mexico. A a very uh, uncharacteristic missed cut for him at Genesis. I was there. It was weird. Uh, didn't play all that well and just kind of ejected himself from the tournament on on Thursday. And then a third place at Waste Management. So you're talking about two top six finishes in his last three starts uh, before the, the hiatus before, before the break. And now you get him at 16 to one, uh, more than twice the odds of Rory McIlroy is Rory two times as likely or more, uh, to win this tournament than Justin Thomas is. He's certainly more likely. I don't think he's 2.2 times more likely. I, I really don't believe that. So from a pure value standpoint, a guy with as much upside as Justin Thomas has, getting him at 16 to one is again, much more, uh, appealing. Webb Simpson is here. Um, Webb Simpson's at 22 and you know, we've been beating the, the Webb Simpson drum for a really long time because he does not get a lot of respect from the general public. He doesn't get a lot of respect from Las Vegas, although uh, he's starting to here, really starting to get a lot of, um, uh, credit here from Vegas. Now I would, uh, I think Webb is Webb the, the, the knock against Webb, it's not really a knock against him. His, his, his numbers were all there. He's, he's, his strokes gained digits would, um, imply he should win multiple times a year. They're that good. Now he finally did cash a a victory at waste management earlier this year, but this is a really tough field to win in the way that I'm trying to get access to Webb Simpson is in a lot of matchups. And the reason for that is When I want to bet a tournament matchup, uh, especially with guys of this caliber, I I want the safest guys, right? I don't want the guys that can potentially miss the cut for me and not even give me a chance on the weekend. Uh, I want guys that, you know, if Webb's floor is like 20th place, I want to take my chance that 20th place beats Bryson or JT or Patrick Reed or anybody else you might be able to get him in a matchup with. Um, and Webb is in, in theory, one of the safer players because of his short game. So per my database, um, there are few guys who have as good of a numbers in what I consider to be strokes gained short game, which is, uh, strokes gained putting plus strokes gained around the green. That, that is where Webb Simpson thrives. He gains, let's see here. He gains, uh, Nearly three quarters of a stroke on the greens and 0.32 around the greens. So like he's pl- he's over a stroke around gaining in short game statistics. Now most weeks I I wouldn't really care about that. I mean Webb's a really great ball striker as well. The only category he loses in is off the tee. But I'm I'm adding additional weight to my short game statistics for this week because. I think it's going to be hard for everyone. Those touch shots, those feel shots, those things that really, you know, make you nervous. Oh, I haven't, I haven't hit this shot in three months, you know, with the grain coming back into me, um, you know, and I've got to open up the club face and hit this flop from the short side. Like that's scary. And that's scary for guys that haven't, haven't done something like that in three months. So I do think that the better short game players will be able to mitigate Uh, a lot of those concerns. And Webb is not only very good on approach, uh, a very good putter, like he's very good around the greens as well. So um, that's got me excited. And the fact that, you know, he has played at colonial uh, third place, finish in 2016, fifth in 2017, 17, excuse me. He missed the cut in 2018, which was the last time he played here. So Webb to me, uh, kind of a dark horse to, to, to be able to win this thing. I'm not as positive or optimistic that he's going to win the golf tournament, but I would like access to him in a lot of individual matchups. Uh, and maybe I can get him against Brooks Kepka. you know, Brooks Kepka, who Kepka and Dustin Johnson are going to be two of the most difficult guys to handicap moving forward. They're both 28 to one to win this golf tournament um i i would say i'm probably more optimistic on kepka at this point than i am on dustin johnson kepka's kepka seems to just be you know the struggles that he had at the end of 2019 and even into 2020 seem to just be um injury related uh you know he he never felt he had said to us he he made a comment that you know, he's not 100%. He might never be 100%, but quite frankly, a, an 85% Brooks Kepka is going to win a lot of golf tournaments on the PGA Tour. Um, he finished second here two years ago, so he has at least a, a good vibes around Colonial, the only time that he has played this course in competition. And, and I just feel, you know, more time for him. The layoff is a, a better situation. Dustin Johnson, similar thing. He, ha- he had the knee procedure in the offseason, never really got anything going but I think there's more concerns around DJ. Um, hasn't played here. That's concern number one. Concern number two is even injury aside, the thing that has really hampered Dustin Johnson's game has been his putter. It's been the flat stick. Nine of his last 11 measured events dating back to the end of 2019, he's lost strokes putting. Some of them in a big way. Uh, that is not, not, not really a combination it's first of all, it's uncharacteristic for Dustin Johnson, who, um, you know, for, for so long was gaining strokes putting for him to kind of hit a wall in the last six or seven months is, is not great. Um, and then also like, I don't try to handicap his mentality. I, I really don't. But the fact that, you know, the week before Taylor made driving relief, he picks up his clubs for the first time to get ready for that. That's fine. Um, that's his decision. He plays terribly there. He was by far the worst player out of the four at Taylor May driving relief. He was never a factor at, at all. Um, I just get the sense that Dustin Johnson might show up to colonial and like, be like, ah, oh, yeah, I started, like I was at the range, like last week, that was how i how I've started to warm up. And he might just use the first few events to shake off that rust, to get into shape, as opposed to some of the other guys in this field that I think are probably trying to hit the ground running, right? You know, they've worked really hard. They've been grinding, on the range or on courses where they can get on them to be ready for colonial. I, I think DJ's mentality lends to more like, ah, I'll, I'll play three or four events and let it work itself out. Uh, and then I'll be back into shape. So certainly taking the wait and see approach on uh, Mr. Mr. Dustin Johnson. And I would be a bit more optimistic on Brooks Kepka, But I will tell you, I highly doubt that uh, either of them will be making my final betting slip for, uh, for this week. There are some other interesting names here. I mean, if you look at this 28 to one range, um, Xander Shoffley, who I'm a big fan of, you know, he is a guy that, uh, from T green is one of the best players in the world. Unfortunately for Xander, two straight missed cuts at colonial and a 48th in 2017. This just might not be a course that, that fits him all that well. You, it's rare for, I mean, he's a young guy. He doesn't have a ton of history in a lot of places, but this is probably his worst course history that we have Two missed cuts in a 48. That's probably the worst position that we've seen him in to this point. Um, Patrick Reed is also there at 28 to one in the same group with Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson. I mean, Patrick Reed is what the number seven ranked player in the world. He won WGC Mexico. He finished 15th at the Arnold Palmer finished sixth at the farmers. I mean, this is a guy, whether you like it or not, is going to continue to show up on the top of leaderboards. I mean, he he's fueled by this like Patrick Reed revenge tour, right? After the penalty he received at the Hero World Challenge and uh, all of the talk that came from the cheating after that. I mean, this is the, pa- I mean, once once Patrick Reed gets out there, like he's there for one reason, and that is to stick it to everybody else in the field. Now, he has not played Colonial since 2016, but he went 15th in 2016 he went 33rd in 2015 hasn't played it in the last three years but this is a really good price on a guy who has shown us legitimate winning upside there there are few guys in this field very few guys in this field that have winning upside Uh, especially when you put them in a field of this caliber Patrick Reed does and he showed us that by going out and winning WGC Mexico a similar smaller, it's smaller than this field, but smallish, um, you know, stacked field with the world's best players for him to go out and win that thing is, is impressive. And he did it. And then he follows it up with another very difficult course, very tough field, Arnold Palmer invitational and finishes 15th there. So Patrick Reed's very, very interesting. I want to get to the forties, the fifties, the sixties range, because that is my favorite range in this entire betting board. But before we jump into that, we are going to take a quick break and I will catch you guys on the other side.
1: DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day.
3: Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand, and we've covered... Uh, the fact that golf is even back, absolutely amazing. We've covered, uh, the course preview colonial country club, the tournament held here since 1946, one of the longest running partnerships on the PGA tour. We've covered how deep this field is. We've covered the top of the betting board all the way to like the 33 ish range. And now we are going to jump into the forties and the fifties, which I think is by far the, the best values uh, the deepest, and it's my favorite section of the betting board. So um, it's led off by uh, Tony Finau and Mark Leishman at forty to one. Unlikely that either of those guys are going to get an investment from me, but if you are 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 dying to bet on on one of these guys, I think you might want to consider Mark Leishman at forty. Um, you know, Leishman is a guy that when he plays well and when he contends. Uh, he's very capable of winning golf tournaments in all types of conditions. Remember he won farmer's insurance open, which is a course that you have to be incredibly accurate off the tee by basically missing every fairway. It was, it was kind of remarkable and he broke the game. But to me, you know, farmers is another one of these deep fields. It's another uh, difficult event to win. So if you go out and win that and you put that on your resume, it's always going to be impressive. Now, he followed that up with a couple of lackluster finishes, 43rd at Genesis, 42nd at WGC Mexico, but again, he pops up again at Arnold Palmer Invitational. Leishman finishing in second place at the Arnold Palmer, which is another difficult track, very deep field. So, you, you see where I'm going with this. He is, um, you know, the vast majority of the time, he's not going to to contend, but when he does, he's capable of winning, which is all you really care about when we talk about the upside here and to his, his best two recent finishes are places that have really deep fields, really tough courses. Yeah, that, that is interesting. And he's played here before, uh, you know, Tony Finau, the guy that I'm kind of comparing him to has no colonial history. Uh, Leishman went, 27th in 2015 13th in 2016 and 34th in 2017. So, um, not overly amazing, but at least he has good vibes here. As he's making cuts. He's putting himself at least in a position to have a little bit of a payday. So if you're, if you're interested in those 40 to one guys, uh, to me, it's Leishman over Finau, you get to 45 to one, uh, a, a pretty solid list of names here. So you get Kucher, Matt Kucher. Colin Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler, and Jordan Spieth. Um, quickly on Kucher, you know, Kucher's fine. I think his, his upside is, is fairly limited. We saw him finish second at Genesis. That was his best finish of, of recent memory. He's played well enough here at Colonial, but I'm not super excited to, to bet him. Um, Colin Morikawa, much more excited to, to bet. You know, I, he's a guy who's already won. He's won the, the alternate field event, the Barracuda Championship um and and has the skill set to win many more events on the PGA Tour Scotty Scheffler also 45 to 1 more excited about than Matt Kuchar um Scheffler though a whole win and he's going to win a lot eventually on the PGA Tour he's actually probably a better like fantasy player or something in, like if you're a pool in a pool where birdies matter Um, bogeys might not matter as much. Um, you know, Eagles matter and maybe your finishing position doesn't matter as much. Like Scotty Scheffler is more desirable in those formats. Um, you know, single day head to heads where he can go really, really low. You know, he's a young kid. He's going to be, he's going to be volatile. His results are going to be all over the place. Um, he will win eventually. He's a Texas kid, you know, getting back to colonial, getting a chance, getting a crack to win at this historic course, I'm sure is getting him fired up. So, and, and he also played well. I mean, Scotty Scheffler played a couple of, um, organized competitive, uh, tournaments in, uh, during the break and, and he, he won one of them. It was like a charity event for, um, uh, caddies at a club. I mean, there were, there were PGA tour pros there. Victor Hovland was there. Um, will, uh, Zalatorius, I think was there who plays on, on corn Ferry, but there it was a, it was a pretty, you know, in, in terms of mini tour fields go one of the better fields. Scotty Scheffler came out on top, but the guy that I'm most interested in, uh, betting at the 45 to one range. And, um, we should probably clip this because I, I'm not sure I've ever really said this in the last 18 months or so. I'm excited about Jordan Spieth and I'm going to bet Jordan Spieth spoiler alert for the, Uh, my betting slip at the end here, but to me, this is we have made the transition on Jordan Spieth from playing wait and see to trying to be early rather than late. And this is a perfect storm opportunity to use Spieth. So, um, obviously, things have not gone well for him. We are approaching the three year anniversary of. His last victory, the 2017 Open Championship. We are literally coming up on the third anniversary of that. The game hasn't been sharp. Uh, his off the tee game, his approach game has 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 dwindled, while his uh, short game, his magic short game, has kept him even in the remote contention that we've seen him in, which has not been all that great, right? A bunch of 50th place finishes. He'll pop up at you know a top 10 at Pebble, all that stuff. It's just it's just been very inconsistent. There are probably few guys who needed a, a, and, and and still may need a hard reset like Jordan Spieth does. Um, this is a guy who works incredibly hard. I imagine he spent the last three months trying to figure out the things that were wrong with his game. Now you're going to place him at a course that he has absolutely dominated. Mind you 2016, he was your champion. 2015 and 2017, both ends of that, second place finishes. So he went second win, second in that three year span, 32nd in 2018, which is fine, it's whatever. And then another top 10 last year for an eighth place finish. So here's the dilemma that I'm in. Um, when Jordan Spieth wins again, and presumably he will at some point win again, he's very young, he has top end skill set, he will win again. And when he does, you're not going to get him at 45 to one very often. If for a while, right? It took so it took Vegas 24 months too long to get him down to 45 to one. The second he wins again, he's going to be 18 and 20 to one every single week. So what I'm doing is I'm taking this rare opportunity of a perfect storm to get a guy who I think a 3 month layoff is going to really help. At a course that he's absolutely dominated for odds that we will not see again after he wins and I'm booking him on my betting slip. So Jordan Speeth at 45 to 1 is someone that I have already invested in. When you drop to the 50s, um the 50s are Shane Lowry, Justin Rose, Gary Woodland, Matthew Fitzpatrick and Kevin Na. Um we'll start at the end there. We'll start with Kevin Na because we, I've talked about this a couple of times um, in the past, I don't know, three months where people like myself, a lot of people around the industry, we talk about upside and we talk about what that means. Does this guy actually have upside? And I feel like a lot of, uh, a lot of people around the industry use that term incorrectly. Um, You know, what, what is upside? Well, in terms of outright betting, upside has to be winning. You know, you don't get a prize to bet Kevin, not 50 to one on an outright. And he finishes second. You don't, there's no consolation prize. You lost your bet finishing second is The same as him finishing 72nd. It's the same thing. So does when you're betting outrights, do these guys have the legitimate winning upside? Uh, the answer of Kevin not is yes. Uh, which is rare. You know, there's, uh, you're talking about like Matthew Fitzpatrick's also 50 to one has Matthew Fitzpatrick won on the PGA tour yet. I'm racking my brain. Um, I'm not sure he has, I'm really not sure he has. I'd have to look it up, but that's what I'm talking about. So they're, they're the same price. Kevin Na has won twice in his last 18 starts. Think about that twice in his last 18 starts. Uh, One of them was last year's Charles Schwab Challenge. So he won the Charles Schwab Challenge. Then he won Shriners uh, in, when would that have been? February? The dates are all messed up. I was there. It was in Vegas. Uh, I want to say it was February. End of January, February, something like that. Um, So he won at Shriners. Think about the guys that have won twice in their last 18 starts. The names are off the top of my head. Rory's done it. John Rahm has done it, but his wins have been international. Um, I mean, who else? Justin Thomas hasn't done it right. He's not won twice in his last 18 starts. Webb Simpson hasn't. I mean, Tiger might have because he's played, you know, so few between, between like masters and Zozo. That might've been twice in his last 18 starts. Patrick Reed might like it, it, My point being, it is an incredibly short list of golfers that actually have that winning upside uh, to be able to, to win twice in an 18 month stretch. So he does have that winning upside at 50 to one, um, here last year, fourth place in 2018, 10th in 2015, he was playing well enough. He's going to be volatile, right? Like here were his results leading into the break. He went missed cut at waste management, 14th at Pebble beach missed cut at Genesis ninth at WGC Mexico all over the place. And then 36th at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, the last event that we saw him at before the break. Um, This range of golfers here, this 40, 50, 60 range, historically, and I mentioned this at the top, historically outperforms the rest of the betting board uh disproportionately right like you get more winners from this range than you do almost any other range from like 10 to 1 to 20 to 1 from you know 60 to 1 to 100 to 1 obviously and then from like 100 to 100 to 1 and and further um half of the winners since the Sony Open since what was it Cam Smith won the Sony Open half of the winners have come from this 30 to 60 range it it is a testament to how deep the PGA Tour is um because you're getting guys with capable winning upside 30 50 60 to 1 and they're coming through and cashing. You know, there was a time where if you weren't one of the top five favorites on in in the field, you were probably not winning the golf tournament. We are well past that with the skills that we have on the PGA Tour right now and and probably in the future. So I I it's, this is the section of golfers. And there's more I want to talk about, uh, that I really focus a lot of my attention on because they come through at such a high rate. And when you hit them, it's a big payday, right? You know, when you hit a Roy McElroy win, it's great. And it's going to happen more often, but it's, you know, eight times your money, something like that. 10, if you're lucky, uh, to go 50 times your money, 60 times your money, you're talking about real return there. That's what gets my, my juices flowing. So, um, There's actually a couple more guys that we need to talk through. We will go through um, even longer shots and then I will give you the guys that I've actually already made an investment in or will look to make investments in, but we'll get to those right after a quick break.
1: DailyRoto.com.
2: Welcome back to golf betting on demand. We're going to stay in the 40, 50, 60 to one range. There is a plethora of names here. And with the way that I expect, uh, golf to return and the, the level of play we're going to see, I think it's going to be chaotic. I think we might look up on Sunday at the leaderboard and say, this is chaos names that we weren't expecting. Um, there's just so many variables in any given week of golf, throw in everything that's going on. No fans, no grandstand, uh, first competitive tournament in three months, uh, the pandemic making it, who, who knows how much they've been practicing. Like there's so many factors here. I think there are way more outcomes than in a normal week. Now. There is a guy in the 50 to one range who is probably my favorite bet to make. I've already made it, uh, to go along with Jordan Spieth, who I'm already in on. It's, it's Justin Rose. Uh, Justin Rose is a former number one player in the world who ended 2018 as the number one player in the world, then signed with Hanma, a Japanese club manufacturer, um, with Rose was like the only guy on the roster, the only noteworthy guy on the roster. It was a quite the surprise that he signed with them and he silenced critics almost immediately. He won his second start in 2019. He won the farmer's insurance open with those Hanma clubs. And then things were never really that good. And it culminated where basically at the end of 2019 and into 2020, it was some of the worst golf that we have seen Justin Rose play uh, quite frankly, in his career, or at least in the last six or seven years, it was really, really bad. So bad that right before the player's championship, Justin Rose still under contract with Hanma stops playing the clubs and goes back to his old tailor-made clubs. Um, that is a drastic step to take as, you know, the number like 14th ranked player in the world. At this point, uh, you must really know something is wrong. And then, of course, we get, the, we get the shutdown. And now, if there was ever a time to switch clubs, this three-month stretch was it. Normally, when a golfer switches clubs on the PGA Tour, they might try to do it in the off-season, but even the off-season for the PGA Tour is very short. There are times where you are working through your new new changes on the fly. That's what, that is what Rose would have been doing. He would have been playing the player's championship and and subsequent weeks with new sticks that he would have to get used to again. That would have been very difficult to do on the fly. Now you get three months to get dialed in whatever clubs you want. You're a free agent. Now, whatever clubs you want, whatever setup you want, get dialed in for the next three months and return to a course that you've won at. 2018 champion of the Charles Schwab challenge, Justin Rose, 50 to one. He opened at 45. He's already down to 50. I don't, usually, it does, usually it goes the opposite way. Uh, Justin Rose down to 50 on some books. Uh, so yes, this is a, a, a very unique situation where the shutdown probably helps Justin Rose. I still believe there is world number one form in there. I mean, if you look at the stats forget the stats. The stats are incredibly bad. Missed the cut at Honda, missed the cut at API, missed the cut at Farmers, um, 56 at the Genesis. So three out of four missed cuts coming down the stretch. You see why Justin Rose wanted nothing to do with those clubs anymore and he needed a change. I think this is a really good opportunity for him to get right and, uh, and contend. Further down the list, Um, you've got guys here at even, you know, 50, I mean, 60 to one Daniel Berger. I don't think a lot of people realize how well Daniel Berger was playing before the shutdown. He had three straight top, top tens, uh, at ninth place at waste management, fifth at Pebble beach, fourth at the Honda classic. He did not play the Arnold Palmer invitational and he was like knocking at the door, right? I mean, those are top 10 finishes. So maybe you aren't, really considering Daniel Berger at 60 to one, um, to win the golf tournament, but you can go out and you can look for his, you know, his top five, top 10 number. I mean, I can pull up his top 10 number real quick here. Daniel Berger to finish in the top 10 of the Charles Schwab challenge, six and a half to one. That's pretty good. If you even want to go further than that, if you want to go down to his top 20 number, which is, you know, uh, obviously it's a very deep field but he's he's been playing well in deep fields uh recently plus 280 so almost 3 to 1 on your money for him to finish in like the top 6th of this field he's been playing really really well if he can keep it going he's one of the few guys one of the few guys uh on tour quite frankly or and definitely in this pricing range that has this season gained strokes in all four major strokes gained categories uh, that's off the tee approach around the green and putting uh, Daniel Berger has gained in all four of those. Um, ben on is 66 to one. I, I talk about Ben on quite a bit because he is part of, uh, you know, team no putt, which is my favorite team. It's guys who play well, tee to green and can't putt to save their lives. Um, Benny on is he's our president. He's the president of, of, of team no putt. You know, he's like 14th in the world or 14th on tour in strokes gained tee to green and like 220th in putting and and the reason I like those guys is because I, I did this research project uh, during the the shutdown that basically showed how often a bad putter can finish the tournament in good putting shape. So essentially, what I did is I took um, all the stats off the tee, approach around the green, and putting. And I said, okay, give me guys that are like in the bottom, you know, third of those stats. How often do they finish a tournament in the top 20? So it's like, how often would a bad putter still finish in the top 20 of putting for a week? And it happens about 16% of the time. Um, Now compared to the other stats, it's twice as often. So for a bad off the tee guy or a bad approach guy, To finish in the top twenty of a tournament that week in that stat category, it's about eight percent, and it makes sense, right? You know, think about you going out and playing in a golf tournament um, or a round of golf. You might be a very bad putter. There will be some rounds where you roll everything in. You know, you make a twenty footer there, you make a thirty footer there, and just you're you're hot on the greens. It's a very volatile. Aspect of the game, you know, the difference between a a, a putt made and a putt missed can be a fraction of of an inch, it can be nothing. Um, so that is a very volatile aspect of golf. The other aspects are not as volatile. You're not going if you if you hit your driver 230 yards, you're not going to wake up and one day hit it 300 for a round and then go back to hitting it 230 it's it's not going to happen you know uh west brian who's always the guy i pick on is the bad off the tee guy he's not gonna wake up and hit it 320 and gain three strokes off the tee he, it's it's not possible he can't do it uh approach a little bit more volatile because you know you can throw some darts here and there but generally that is a very sticky category so I like these team no putt guys. I like the guys that play well tee to green. If they catch a hot putter, they can win that week. So Benyon 66 to um, one. There's some popular names down here: Joel Damon, uh, Max Homa, both playing really well before the break. They are 70 to one each. Um, you know, Damon came in with two top five finishes in a row. Homa came in with five top 25 finishes in a row. Both guys playing really, really well might consider them in top 10 top 20 bets not as much as outright and then you get to ryan palmer ryan palmer is uh 70 to 1 and notably a member at colonial so this is obviously a course that he knows we have heard interviews with ryan palmer actually kind of saying how weird it is to play this event because he's so used to seeing colonial with No grandstands, uh, no TV towers, no fans, nothing like that. So when he shows up for tournament day, it's a little jarring. You know, he's not used to playing it that way. He's used to playing it a normal round of golf, you know, with nothing out there. Well, Ryan Palmer, you're going to get your wish this week, my friend. There will be no grandstands. There will be only a few hundred people on the course instead of tens of thousands of people. This will feel much like a tuesday afternoon money game than a pga tour event for ryan palmer which might be beneficial and in fact even despite saying you know colonial looks weird it's not really up to my eye finished third in 2016 here finished sixth in 2019 he missed the cut in 18 and 15 and he finished 70th in 2017 so a real mixed bag of results but This is going to look the way Ryan Palmer expects it to, and the way that he is most interested in. So it's 70 to one uh, again, uh, winning is a hard ask. Look at his top 10 number. Look at his, um, even his top five number. something like that would still be worth the payoff. In fact, I can pull it up here really quickly. His top 10 number is seven to one. That's a great return. And his top five or, uh, yeah, his top five number is probably going to be even better than that. It's definitely going to be even better than that. It's probably 14 to one. It's 18 to one. How about that? Okay. So, uh, there's your top five and top 10 numbers on Ryan Palmer, even further down, uh, just at the end of the show here, there, there's not too many more names I'd be interested in, but there is one guy I need to point out. Um, and he's all, I'm scrolling scrolling scrolling. It's it's Jazz Janowanan. He is 200 to 1. I do not think he's going to win this golf tournament, but he is the 39th ranked player in the world being priced with guys that are 150 to 300 in the world. This is um, this is a this is a pretty bad misprice. Uh, I would argue that Jazz has played more competitive rounds during the break than a lot of the guys in this field because he's been playing over here in the states on the mini tour. So I would probably only touch him on like a top 20 bet because he's still, you know, he's not one of the be- He's 39th in the world, but he doesn't have a lot of upside. I just want to point out that I think he is priced incorrectly. So for me, my bets, um, I'm sticking in that 50, 60, 70 range. I've bet Jordan Spieth at 45 to one. I've bet Justin Rose at 50 to one. I have loaded up on Ryan Palmer in top five and top 10 situations. I have gone with uh, Jazz, Jane Awananant in a top 20. And I think I've also, I might have a burger top 10 out there. I don't know if I've done it yet, but that is the type of bet that I would conceivably make. So, uh, I'll, I'll narrow down the, the official betting slip, but those are the guys I'm definitely going to be investing in. Um, and I'm excited to, you know, I'm staying away from the top of the board because I think that we are really going to see a lot of chaos over the course of, uh, the next week and maybe the next couple of weeks on the PGA tour as things start to shake themselves out. It is very exciting to have golf once again in our lives and to be here doing golf betting on demand with you as we do every single week. And now we finally have a tournament to talk about. And next week we can talk about how we did this week at the Charles Schwab challenge. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you're excited, let me know, tweet me it's at Rick run good. Uh, I'm looking forward to running good this week and I hope you do too. This has been golf betting on demand and I'll talk to you next time.